I'm excited to announce our upcoming 2023 Banking with Life client-only event. It's going to happen in mid-October of 2023. It's going to happen downtown Fort Worth, Texas. Our whole team will be there. The team has been working very hard to make this an event that's not to be missed. I'll be there, have an opportunity to meet me, have an opportunity to meet the team. I'm going to be speaking. We'll have other guest speakers, and you'll have the opportunity to meet a room full of like-minded people. Think about that. A room full of people that are practicing becoming their own banker. They are practicing the infinite banking concept. You'll have the opportunity to meet with them and share with them. You got to be somewhere. You might as well be there. In this episode, my friend Michael returns as he was a previous guest about a year ago. We had a great conversation, all things infinite banking concept, from cash flows, discipline, real estate, and controlling the banking function in your life. We had a great time and hope you enjoy listening. Thank you. Welcome to the Bank of Life podcast. I'm your host, James Nethery. And you know, I always get excited when friends and people come into the uh, studio and I'm really excited today because I have my friend Michael back for a second time. And, uh, you know, he's from California and he's in Texas, you know, getting his stuff done. And he squeezed in a little bit of time to come down here and share with us. And, and I'm very appreciative of that. And it's always good to see you, Michael. How have you been, sir? I've been well. Well, you know, usually Fort Worth is now kind of like one of my stops either end of town or on the way out so perfect gotta come by and see the family that's right and we listen we have fun um so now listen michael he we've known each other since about q1 of 2021 he became a client in august 2021 you discovered though we're exposed to the infinite banking concept you know before we ever met yeah i think it was it was sometime i want to say it was sometime in 2019 if if my memory is correct Okay, yeah. so you've been going a couple of years. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's been three years, but I'd say like the evolution of just learning, um, especially just about just how money works, monetary theory, just the basics of it. Without, well, I've gotten into the weeds, but just um, just understanding, you know, the flow of money, um, where the flow, where it flows from, where it flows to, and and how to, you know, how I can have an effect on um, on that. Yeah, who controls yeah. that flow, huh? Yeah, it's yeah, <laughs> yeah, when, yeah, yeah. And then, well, you know, yeah, it's it's fr- it's on one hand, it's frightening, um, from a couple different, you know, perspectives. But then, too, when you start recapturing some of that that flow, and and you realize how powerful you can be in that in that equation. Um, one, there's a lot, of, there's a lot of energy to that. Um, there's a lot of peace to it. I found. Um, Especially day to day, I think you know you've. I may have talked. Uh, you know, I, I don't remember who I talked to. But it was probably on the first podcast and stuff. But I don't really pay attention to the stock market anymore. You know, really at all. Well, I I'll, I'll casually look at it just to see, um, you know, if there's panic out in the street, if there's blood out in the street, <laughs> um, just because overall that's kind of where opportunities are. But as when far as panic and blood in the streets, yeah, 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 yeah that's one that, yeah. I mean, I like to I like to be solutions to people's problems. Um, sure, but that that comes with having access to capital and having a place um, that you've systematically been storing it, which is what the infinite banking concept. Since you know my learnings began, and then you know the saw keeps uh, continues to be sharpened with you and um, and people like you. It's 
it's um it's really refreshing to knowing that you have this war chest that's continuously being built so it's there's a lot of freedom in that there's a lot of peace in that it, it, it there's so many uh I want to say intangible, but they're really not intangible. There are intangible, but there are many tangible benefits to having access to capital that you control without uh, the required a required approval from anyone. I mean, that's a that's just just one benefit, you know. And then the discipline of the systematic accumulation formation of capital kind of put a path or direction, a, a purpose, you know, to your capital, and then that what that requires you know you're part of that purpose mm-hmm. right there's a lot of benefits to that in my opinion yeah and and speaking of the first podcast i want to say that you you came here and and recorded an episode number 96 back in um, august of 2021 and that was titled the surfer real estate investor and peace officer so we'll we'll put a link for that one below um so I just yeah that was fun that, yeah <clears throat> I'm just there's a lot that's happened since then yeah right? yeah there has been um the growth continues you know the, the yeah yeah uh, my, you, i mean i think yeah and going back to what you just said about about discipline i think for me personally and I, and I think if if we really spent some time and turned off tvs and things and really listened to ourselves, i think there's a lot of um discipline that's just needed in general yeah and i know you know i know ryan's talked about it um, and you guys have discussed it on the podcast before, but I, I know that's important to me, but just controlling some of <clears throat> just creating some discipline. Um, there, there's such an amount of freedom in that. Cause that's, you know, it's all I'll have to do is, well, and I, I didn't do it really anyway, um, is spend more than I make, but you can always fine tune that process and find, you know, leaks in the dam that you didn't know that, that you had, but unless you're in a position to where you can listen, um, you're never going to, you know, isolate and identify those things. Yeah. Um, so that's something that I just continue, continue to do. Um, cause I, when it's, you know, I'm, I'm the, I'm the variable that has the biggest impact on the, on the performance of, you know, my banking system. So I, I, I owe that to myself and I owe that one, you know, to, you know, to my nieces who are the beneficiaries of all this, <laughs> you know? So, um, I think they, they, they would want their uncle to pay a little bit more attention and, and continue to keep their pulse on, on what's going on. Yeah. Well, the uncle needs to lead the way and be the example. Right. Um, no question about that. And discipline, um, it's a learned, you know, uh, it's a learned habit. It's a learned thinking, thinking through that and I love what you said you know if people just like slow down and listen to themselves that's a scary uh, if you don't do that if you haven't done that it may seem scary but that's probably you know it's extremely important my point being is you're you're a lot smarter than you give yourself credit for you know, oh my you set aside time to listen to yourself like you suggested you'll 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 be thankful that you did yeah and, yeah, and this is stuff that isn't taught in schools too. Either. So, like, you know, like I, 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 you know, like I went to Texas A and M, and you know, have a finance degree. I didn't and, know that. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, that's the only school that I applied to. Yeah. Oh. So, and I did that you know, and a finance degree. Maybe I did know that and forgot. Yeah, it. Well, I went to A and M. I chose finance because a guy that I, uh, one of the guys that um, that finished because I 
not that it means anything, but I was, you know, like in the top 10 of my class, but it was like, because of a lot of work, it wasn't, I was, was not naturally gifted or anything like that. And like, it came with a lot of work because mom and dad said that, you know, you bring home anything less than an A and we're going to have to have some meetings with teachers and things. And, <laughs> That's kind of guy. Yeah. Yes, I'm proud of you. Yeah. And the, the, you know, the kid of a police chief is like, okay, you know, you don't want to upset <laughs> <laughs> the boss, <laughs> you know, but more so I'm afraid of my, my mom who's 4'11". So, uh, <laughs> some authoritarian figures. <laughs> oh, I'm still, I'm still terrified. I still, will never cuss around here. I did once and I, whew, so I was tangent. Um, but none of the, you know, I, I chose finance because, you know, the guy that I grew, grew up with and graduated with, who was also going to A&M, just told me that wasn't smart enough. And so I was like, well, all right, well, I'm doing that after I finished playing baseball. So, yeah, so I played junior college baseball and then transferred directly into to Are you base. still friends with him? He told you you weren't smart enough? No, I mean, I didn't, I didn't take it personal, but I'm all, you know, I'm kind of the guy that always likes a little motivation. And I was like, oh, please tell me that I can't do something because right. I'll probably end up doing that. Right. So that was... I think all the thought that went into it, but no, the answer to your question is I don't think I've spoken to him. Not, not because of that incident right. Um, right. since, since really high school. So, so finance degree and then you wind up in. Yeah. Well, I was originally going to work for an asset officer. based lender in, oh, okay. in Dallas. Um, cause I, had in, I was their, one of their first interns in their asset based lending group in college. And I was trying to figure out why, do you want me? I haven't finished my first upper level finance class and you're already asking me to intern. Like, what do you see? Cause I don't see it. <laughs> you know? um, but, but yeah, it was, it was a good experience. And never, that was probably the, the most I've, I've attempted to use, you know, my degree directly. But, uh, but again, it was more so, you know, showing a little discipline and finishing something that you started. That's probably most impactful because I think, you know, looking at the product that's, um, that's pushed out from most universities today is lackluster oh. at best. Um, yeah, we're in trouble. That, you know, coming back to, you know, issues of discipline and, you know, and really um, putting your brain in a position because it, it wants, it's a huge muscle that wants to learn and wants to be exercised. If you put it in a position to do so, um, it'll achieve some pretty great things. And, um, and I think going through, and I, I don't know if we talked about it on the fir first episode, but, you know, having a lot of time, especially in the industry that I work in, um, where I work a lot, you know, and and I'm thankful to have the ability to do so. But w during, you know, that thing that happened, that Voldemort situation in 2020 that we can't talk about, um, I had a lot of free time to, to you know, to learn. Yeah. And that's why I try to use that time to do, or, you know, with monetary theory and understanding how the Fed operates and how, you know, you know, how the government gets money, how it sources projects and things like that. Um, and that's when I, I probably knew, but I didn't know of just like, oh, I don't, I don't give my, my own brain enough credit sometimes yeah. of what, what it will learn if you just surround it by, you know, knowledge. So, I, you know, my mind is you're sharing that, which I mm -hmm. did not. And maybe, you know, and we, uh, first met and had conversations. I, I like to think I take pretty good notes, and so I'm sure that came up Texas A&M and finance degree, and then then the asset based lending. You know, I'm like, mm, I didn't recall that either. And now you're, you know, you go and peace officer, and mm -hmm. in my mind, while you're talking, I'm thinking, man, this guy's a 
fighting crime his whole life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. When you look at it from that perspective, like yeah, when you're like, oh, I've been on both sides of that coin. Like yeah, companies that couldn't go get traditional lending would lend on their inventory. Yeah, because they didn't asset, have, yeah, yeah. Asset so, based lending is like, listen, your assets got to uh, uh, at least 50 percent over the loan amount. So we want to over collateralized. Yep. And yeah. And then, you know, for those of you that don't, you know, kind of know what that is, that is the very basis of that, you know, we would, we would look from a lending standpoint, we would go and look at a company's um, inventory, not their, what they call slow moving inventory, which would, um, we would look at, you know, between zero and, and maybe 60 days, if they can turn over that portion of inventory, we would land on a percentage of what they could turn over and create an accounts receivable or money coming in from, um, from their end consumer. So we would land on what that was that amount. ratio back then? Do you remember? I think it was maybe it was between 50 and 60%. Uh, the immediate thought to my mind was 50%. Yeah. Yeah. I want I want to say at max, it was, it was 60. Um, yeah, but I remember in the middle of the summer, just sweating like crazy in warehouses because i'm counting stuffed animals because i don't know if you know the uh, proper accounting yeah proper accounting off of dolphin road in dallas and i'm like I, uh, I do i don't know if if anyone's familiar with that area but I, you don't want to be there when the sun goes down or while it's up and, and i'm in their warehouse so yeah just to give you an idea but, yeah <laughs> that's funny so it's like uh it's uh, over collateralized on the loan and then when they sign their john henry everything that they own or thought they owned is is now the banks yeah collateralizing yep beyond that little bit the of lender always gets paid first always mm -hmm. and you know i i uh if i can recall there were three or four c's in the banking and i'm sure a listener will help me out um is character capital uh, character, collateral, and uh, I, I don't remember what the third and fourth C's were in banking, mm -hmm. right? So you got to have the character, and you got to have the collateral, and I, I, I don't know what the other two are. But if those don't exist, you're not getting a loan. No. And uh, the collateral is always uh, far more valuable than the loan. Mm -hmm. So. Anyway, yeah, and it's an asset to them. You know, we talk about tiers of assets, and where, mm -hmm. where banks and where companies hold life insurance, and knowing that that's like the top, the top tier of, of an asset. Well, we're not dealing with that. We're dealing with <laughs> things that a good or service. You know, what little we still produce, um, and then l lending against that. So, <clears throat> well, those uh, those uh, were they teddy bears? What were you counting? No, it was a company that made um, that at the time had the NFL license. So uh -huh. they were, they were, they would everything from blankets to, you know, to stuffed animals to, you know, pillowcases, anything that had, a, that you could stuff an NFL logo on or a team logo on. <laughs> it was in this warehouse and it, it felt like the warehouse didn't have a roof. It was like, I, you kept climbing and it just kept getting taller and taller. You know, <laughs> I'm just thinking it's 108 degrees outside today. Yeah. And, that's uh, when the internship was in the middle of the Texas heat <laughs> in the summertime. Yeah. But then, you know, some of that, some of that product was surely made in China, right? I don't know. If, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, okay. I don't yeah. There was probably a, a lot of stamps on the boxes. Went <laughs> <laughs> through a lot of customers. Um, okay. So what'd you do? You know, what'd you do after that? Did you just go right into law enforcement or? No, no. I ended up, ended up working for Anheuser-Busch for about 11 years. Um, I started in Georgia with them and, um, and I was there for about three to four months and then ended up, they asked me to, 
take a full-time position in St. Louis. So then I ended up moving to the corporate office. I was there for about two years and I worked in like corporate quality assurance. My first job was an engineer, a finance degree. And that's when I, you know, now looking back is like, oh, degrees are useless. You know, what, you know, what's on them as far as, oh, finance, you're kind of stuck in this little silo over here. I was like, no, I was dealing with engineers all day and consumer complaints. And I was working with, you know, the, the parent company downtown and, you know, working through consumer related issues as to why beer tasted or arrived at a consumer a certain way or tasted a certain way or what was in the package along with the beer, things like that. And then working to improve those processes to, to eliminate those defects or that type of defects. Mm. And then, then moved from there to California in, in 05. Cause again, I didn't have a wife or kids. So they relocated me quite often to get me exposure to different areas of the business. So, right. so then I spent some time in, operations management, accounting, quality assurance, back to operations management, and then sales and marketing before before I left. And was that 2013? So, yeah. That's pretty well-rounded experience there. Yeah, I mean, it, ta it, it taught me, you know, the, a lot of things that weren't ta taught in school is like how to think critically, how, you know, what process improvement is, how to, you know, break down a complex problem or something that we perceive to be a problem, how to think through that, um, analytically in a strategic manner to to isolate root causes to eliminate some of the noise from processes that you know you have to eliminate in order then to actually listen to the process mm -hmm. um but that's a that's a mentality that I, you know that was invaluable to learn and that i still use uh i well i still use it professionally and, and personally because sure. it's a it's a mindset it's not a you know i don't have you don't have to have a piece of software or anything to to accomplish that I love that. Yeah. <clears throat> and so, uh, how did how did you get into law enforcement? Did you stay in California once you were there? And yeah, yeah. No, I had a close friend at the time that was, you know, I, you know, I was struggling at at the time. You know, I'd, I'd been with Anheuser Busch, you know, in what four, three states, like six different locations, something like that. That's After, some loyalty right there. Yeah, and and I just remember, you know. I was, in California, there you know it's the informal name is called the Valley, which is the San Fernando Valley, which is you know the just north of L.A. You know from Malibu kind of up to you know the the northern end of of L.A. Everyone just calls it the Valley, and and I was working, I was living near Malibu at the time, and and then working in a city called Westlake Village, which is where our office was, and I just remember it was it was one of the late nights when. You know, I'd been, you know, you, we get yelled at constantly. There's just a lot of pressure as far as, like, you know, market share, because that was a lot of a lot of things that we were um, that I was working on at the time was um, there were a lot of competing brands that were that were starting to to affect, you know, Bud Light or I probably shouldn't say the brands, but a lot of the brands that that were in our portfolio, there's a lot of competing brands that were kind of hunting and pecking away at market share and everyone knew what the issues were but no one really wanted to say it <laughs> you know <laughs> so it just turned into a bunch of yelling we're like how do we make this how do we make this this pile of crap a little bit more palatable you know so that's what you know most of us like well we, we got to tell a better story and it was like either way you we all know what the story is the story is terrible to read and it's terrible <laughs> to experience um so it just got to a point you know kind of living in in that evolution of um 
of the last position that I had that I was like, man, I had, what did I, who did I affect today? Or like, what did I accomplish today? Like, I'm, what is <laughs> and going, get yelled at for it. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, then I'm in California. I'm like 1700 miles away from where, you know, from my nearest relative. Like, what am I doing? So it ended up like a, a guy, um, a close friend of mine at the time that I went to church with, you know, we, we'd had some conversations over the course of a couple of years about changing professions. And he was like, Hey, you need to give, he's, a, he's now a, a pretty, uh, pretty higher ranking, you know, officer in his, his department. And he was like, you need to give this a shot. You know, about your dad and all this stuff. Don't do it for your dad. You know, yeah. don't do it because of him, but I think you can make a difference. You know, you're smart, you can transition. Yeah. You're going to get yelled at and through the Academy and stuff. And, but that's, you know, that's, that'll be nothing compared to what you've done. And so ended up after about two or three years of convincing, I did that. And that was kind of the transition. I got it. Yeah. And how long has that been? That was, um, I left Anheuser-Busch in February of 13, and then I went to the police academy in May of May of the same year. I got it. Yeah. So <clears throat> that's pretty good experience. Um, I like I said earlier, well-rounded and broad, you know, but it involves a lot of people. It, it, <laughs> I'm just saying that's a broad experience. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, mostly what I, you know, mostly what I, what I do now is, is centered around that is, is, you know, you're constantly dealing just with people. Now, most often now, you know, I'm either, cause I, you know, I'm not on the streets anymore, but a lot of it is, you know, I'm following up on initial investigations of, of chaos is, is really what yeah. it is. Um, and some of it's extremely difficult to read, um, and difficult to investigate. But, um, but you know, there's a lot of, uh, excuse me there's a lot of there's a lot of value in that um i can see with the people skills and then the the critical thinking and processes you know that i can see how you uh would need to use that and it would be very beneficial for you just that method professionally and yeah well i mean i think it's something that anheuser-busch kind of formalized but it i think a large part of it <coughs> excuse me was the way i was raised is is it's just relationships and, and, and having valuable relationships and not like manufactured value, you know, right. relationships because like I need something from you, James, but it's something like mutually, uh, even aside from infinite banking, like I bet if we sat in a room and just had an elongated conversation, we find out that we have a, we have more things in common than we don't have in common. Sure. And then it's, that's the foundation of the relationship, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and just value that and care for it because you need, you do need to care for that. But that's, that's mainly, you know, that's the way I see, you know, what I do now is, is mainly, you know, cause I have, unfortunately I have to deal a lot with, um, with experts and, um, like child related injuries mm -hmm. a lot more than I would like to. And I've sure. had to see some things that I wish that I never had to see, but I'm very, at the same token, I'm very thankful that the general public has never seen those things and you don't need to see those things. I don't want to see those um, things. But a lot of that, of what I get done is trying to cut through the red tape of government mm -hmm. and actually be productive. And that that's where I kind of use like the private sector stuff that I've learned to kind of bring in my perspective and let, lets me to kind of, you know, do my current job and, you know, kind of massage it the way I want to do it. Mm -hmm within the confines of the law, of course. Sure. Yeah. <clears throat> but productive, that's a key word, right? Mm -hmm. um, that's good. <laughs> so how how did you get exposed to the infinite bank concept? And I'm sure I asked that. Yeah. No, mainly it, it came down to like um, 
just looking for how to increase the the velocity of the dollar I was spending when I initially started investing in real estate because mm-hmm. you know yeah. it, it the traditional method of you know whether you're buying turnkey real estate company or turn, turnkey real estate is well I can only work so many hours at work at my current job to save up enough for tw- at the time I'm not, I'm not sure what the lending standards are now probably at least pretty similar 25% down payment for a non-owner occupied you know single family home or duplex or something um I can only work so many hours of overtime to make that down payment. Well, now, you know, if, you know, if I'm penciling the, uh, the deal correctly, it, I'm going to have, you know, a minimum of $250 a month left over after all the snakes and dragons are paid. Um, well, now I'm back down to zero. I have to go work more of time where I could be off or um, I could be doing something else to save up enough money again for another down payment so that's kind of where it started is how do i speed up that process um so then you know it naturally went from that progression to okay well what if i don't buy a retail property like from the mls what if i buy a wholesale property that needs some work i'll create some equity and see what happens so i did that with with a duplex in st louis and then i you know just lessons learned like i had a contractor that was less urgent than than I would care for him to be um, and took probably three times as long to do some small renovations because he was working on other jobs yeah and but it eventually got done and um, and then at the same time you know I started listening to other guys in the real estate space that were you know that were working on some different methods you know there's books out um, from the bigger pockets team, you know, you know, company that I follow and website that I follow. And I've had some success with, with, um, um, regarding the velocity of money called, um, they call it the Burr method, which is like yeah. buy rehab, you know, rent refinance repeat. And so I list, you know, before that book came out, you know, they were promoting it on, you know, their podcast. I'd listened to it. They had some guests on about how you can find off market deals and contact sellers directly. So when I was still working on the streets in the middle of the night, I would write these three sentences that one of the, they had a, you know, a guest on. It was like, hey, this is what I write down, but I developed a company that, you know, a robot that writes in penmanship so that I don't have to write them. And I was like, well, I don't have a robot, <laughs> but I have a left hand. <laughs> so I was working graveyard at the time. So every, for about a couple hours towards the end of the shift, the city would get really, you know, it would finally start going to sleep and quieten down. And so I would, you know, go park in a location that was pretty dark and I could see, you know, kept all, you know, the potential bad stuff in front of me. And I would just write these three sentences and I would address them to a list of people using the criteria that this guy had on the podcast. So um, ended up buying a house uh, with that. So it cost me about a dollar fifty to find this buyer. But um, but yeah, I would, I would write out these. I would literally write out these three sentences that are ingrained into my head to this day. And then on the way into the station at the end of the night, I would stop by the post office and I would dump off maybe 40 or 50 letters. And then I probably out of those 40 or 50, I probably did it for a couple of weeks. So probably a couple hundred letters and I got like four phone calls from it and then ended up finding a house out of it. We went a little long in this episode because we were having fun. So we're going to pick it up in the next episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us on the Banking with Life podcast. 
If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe and click on that little notification bell. Otherwise, join us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher for weekly content.